Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This is a podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. We also dig into industry news and stories that you may have missed. Today, Gwen and I are talking about our favorite romance tropes, and we also chat with best-selling author Reese Ryan, who has released a bunch of great books this year. Danielle and I update each other on our goals from last episode, and we're talking about what's bringing us comfort this week. I'm going to do the, the funny podcast thing where what I'm excited about hasn't happened yet, Ooh, but it okay. will have by the time this goes up, but I'm participating in an actual in-person book event at Love Sweet Arrow for their second anniversary. They're having an after hours, like kind of author get together. There's going to be some readings and we're doing like little, like very short mini interviews in between every reading. It's going to be a great reason to hang out with, you know, bookish people Mm -hmm. who I used to see on a pretty regular basis at the bookstore. And now I get to actually see them in person instead of virtually, which is going to be really great. So I'm excited for that. I am so excited for you. I cannot wait to hear how this event goes. Yeah. I think it's going to be really fun. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Mm -hmm. We were talking about how a few years ago, romance tropes really weren't like the thing everyone talked about. Right. Really though, you would talk about them. It wasn't like, oh, well, what trope does this book fall under? Right. Or, you know, even more so than what genre it is. Like it can be a paranormal romance and still be a second chance romance. Absolutely. There's like kind of a mix and match situation happening. I don't want to say people get hung up on tropes, but I think about this when it's like outside of romance landia in particular. And I think you see this kind of in maybe in YA more so than other genres Mm -hmm. where the, the trope discussion is such a thing. But do other people know about tropes? tropes. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you know, like, I think, like, I think of my mom, my mom is an avid reader of all genres, but especially romance. Like if I were to say, well, what's your favorite trope? Would she understand what that is now to be fair? Yes. My mother would understand what that is, but I'm just thinking of like the readers I know mm-hmm. and do they care? I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting question because it comes up so often in book club in a way where over the years I have seen the evolution of that question go from like, I don't know what a trope is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to know what a trope is. I don't care. Like, it, yeah. it, like that whole not caring about it, almost being stubborn about it. Yeah. And then, and then also like recognize sometimes recognizing genres as a trope, mm-hmm. like seeing paranormal romance as a trope versus like, no, that's just, a subset of the subgenre of that genre. Mm-hmm. And now I see it's such a, a far overswing where some people just think like any sort of plot point is a trope. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's not just because right. they like talk to just because it has a meat cute in it. A meat cute is not a yeah. trope. Yes. That is a really good point, especially at the Fresh Fiction Book Club. I mean, it comes up when somebody's talking about what they've read, they they say, oh yeah, it's it, it's a, you know, friends to lovers or whatever. And, you know, and we're all just like, oh, you know, and like the people who like that are like, I'm going to write that down. So I wanted to think about why they are so important and particularly why they are, they are so important to romance. I think we've established this, but it's like an easy identifier. Yeah. For readers. Romance readers, you know, there there's a reason why we say romance keeps the lights on in publishing because mm-hmm. romance readers read so much more than I think the average. Anybody. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, you know, they're reading multiple books a month, 
often multiple books a week. I mean, and that's just personally, like I read as many books as I possibly can every week. And so when you do identify something that you like, you can say, you know, and if someone says, oh, well, this is, this is a, a small town, well, small town romance isn't really a trope, I don't think. Yeah. But you, but you, you know, but something along those lines, or, you know, this is a, like a return to home kind of like, you know, I have to go back to the place I'm from, you know, you can say, oh yeah, well, that's, that's my catnip. I love that. I'm going to at least check it out. I think one of the downfalls though, of a trope is that they set expectations. Right. And so I think now you're seeing this conversation more and I'm going to tread lightly because I'm going to have a book out soon. (laughs) But I think tropes have also become kind of a marketing thing for publishers. And if you say something is enemies to lovers, if these two people don't hate each other at the start or over the course of the romance at some point to justify it saying enemies to lovers in the back cover copy, and then that never happens then books get ripped apart on Goodreads or other reviews, you know, and I, and I mean, and and again, that's completely warranted to a reader who's going to walk in, who's like, I'm going to spend money on this book because I do love enemies to lovers, but they only hate each other for like the first five minutes of their meeting. And then they're immediately in love. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really, it's, it's not an enemies to lovers. That's kind of a I don't know, Which like, is interesting because like when you have the, the industry setting an extreme, yes. then the reader wants the step a little bit even more extreme to it. Yeah. So eventually you do have these like people who in really know if we're staying with like the enemies to lovers example, it's like sometimes you get these books where those characters have really no business being mm-hmm. around each other at all. Like they, yeah. it's like toxic. And, and there's a conversation to have there of like so overextending the trope sometimes of like when, when a genre has to go through the cycle of a genre, it's almost like tropes are going through that now too, where yeah. it's like you have the, the starts of them, the, the, the little, uh, little versions of it. And then when they have to go extreme and become self-reflective mm-hmm. and then to come back to someplace that's mainstream where it's like, okay, well, they hate each other for half the book. And right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but- Oh, I was gonna say, I was just gonna say, um, enemies to lovers is, I think, is the one lately that I've noticed gets like slapped on everything. Yeah. Um, and it, and I think because, and because it doesn't belong on everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is. And it is, it is very popular. I think some of the big books where you've seen crossover potential, like outside of romance, I think to an extent readers are looking for the next hating game, you know, or what, what can be in that similar vein. But then if it doesn't hit the way the hating game did, then people get upset. They which, get so and, upset. They take it personally. Yeah. Which, which is, <laughs> wild but also but also understandable yeah I mean how many times have we taken a book personally it's like this author did not do what we thought they were gonna do (laughs) exactly so the next thing I think about when I think about tropes is that it puts in the notion of the promise of the premise which is a phrase that I think my friend Jen who hosts Faded Mates I hear her use that phrase a lot. And I just, I really love it mm-hmm. because, you know, when you have a trope in mind, you have a set of parameters, like just within any genre, you know, within romance or sci-fi or mystery, you know, there are certain beats that you have to hit. Yeah. To an extent, a romance trope also does that, you know, it sets up another set of parameters that, you know, a marriage of convenience is going to do, you know, why are they not actually in love? 
and then what happens that makes them fall in love, Uh you know, and, and want to make this, the sham marriage actually work when you can place a trope on your writing. I think, especially if you know what it is going into it, you also have beats that, you know, you need to hit and you, and you want to fulfill them for those characters and all, but just also for it to be a successful story. So I love the phrase, the promise of the premise. And I, I don't know who actually originated that, but I hear Jen say it on Faded Mates quite a bit. And I really love it. Finally, I'll just end with, I've mentioned Faded Mates, but I think tropes are so fun. A lot of romance podcasts, you hear these conversations come up. So I mentioned Faded Mates, which is hosted by Jen Prokop and Sarah McLean, who was an author. They started out recapping the Immortals After Dark series by Cressley Cole, but then they also started doing what they call interstitial episodes where they basically pick a trope or a genre or subgenre and they kind of do a deep dive a lot of times they'll bring on an author guest to also talk to them about it too but that it's like if you want to know like you're like listening to this and you're like what is a trope I don't get it like Faded Mates is a great podcast to listen to also there is a podcast called learning the tropes <laughs> where one host is an avid reader and another host an avid reader of romance and then the other host is um has not had hadn't read romance until he's they started doing this podcast and regular podcast that i listen to every week so i wanted to give them a really nice little shout out let's get into some of our favorite tropes because we've been talking about this nebulous uh <laughs> concept we mentioned second chance romance that's mm-hmm. come up or sorry not second chance romance friends to enemies to lovers as a one that we both really really like what yeah. other examples do you have danielle i do really like second chance romance mm-hmm. and i think it's because there's so many feelings yes <laughs> <Second> chance romance <laughs> and i also think it's an easy way to like a establish that these people already have some kind of connection yeah. and they're already involved even if it's like you know we haven't seen each other for years or whatever I think that that just I think it sets it up really nicely yeah. I do like enemies to lovers but it's got to be done the right way like if if people really do seem like they hate each other yeah then I'm almost like turned off by yes me too I'm like you guys should be around each other and I was thinking back to our we didn't we did an interview with Rosie Dannon Mm -hmm. she said she was like I really like when if you're but but the way she said it she was like if you're gonna say it's enemies to lovers and these people are just mildly annoyed with each other (laughs) that's not what I'm looking for like she really wants there to be like high stakes I think she said high stakes have to be involved and like I agree to all of that but it's gotta, there's gotta be a, a believable enough situation where you're like, oh, okay, they hate each other now, but 300 pages later, they're going to end up together. Like it's yeah. got it. Yeah. I mean, and that journey has, that journey has to make sense. It can't Absolutely. just be like, oh, I also think I, I don't like you, but I also think you're hot. So maybe I do like you. Maybe I do <laughs> like you. Maybe my, maybe my chemistry is just telling me things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course I've talked about this a bunch of times, but I love grumpy sunshine where someone is, is grumpy and then they like the one who's sunny and light and lovely and 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 they figure it out. <laughs> I am also a second chance romance fanatic. I just I love the fact that they do know each other and those feelings and that history mm-hmm. they have to they have to 
talk about stuff that's hard, even when sometimes it's just a silly one person missed a phone call when they were 16 years old and they haven't been able to forgive each other for it. I love when people have to get out of their own way. And I think that second chance really offers that opportunity and persuasion is one of my favorite books. And so it's the ultimate second chance romance. (laughs) I also am a huge fan of a one night stand that turns into like, that's your boss or your neighbor or your new coworker. I am a huge, I like, for some reason, I love when they have to like have sex at the beginning of the book or have Mm. some sort of intimacy at the beginning of the book and then build the relationship from that. Because I think that in real life, that's very challenging to see it in a book. It's really, it's escapism for me and interesting. And again, high stakes because you can't get away from that person. You have to learn to accept it. And so sometimes I can turn into enemies to lovers, but it's more of just like awkward circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) and then I am a a a nightmare glutton for punishment, and I love a love triangle. (laughs) I just love when like two people are fighting over a character. I think it is so yeah delicious. I feel like you don't see that as much in Mm -hmm. adult romance anymore. You definitely, I mean, why is it a YA novel if there isn't a love triangle? I know, and I would (laughs) love to see a I would love to see a love triangle in more adult romances and I, and it's and sometimes and I know it's because you can't have that happy ending yeah but it were I love it in Bridget Jones's diary oh, I loved it yeah. in that um Mindy Kaling movie with um where she's the late night comedy writer and it's oh, like you yeah. don't know and it, that's another one where I'm like it's kind of a love triangle and you have the, you have to pick the right guy yeah I have one I have I'm gonna say I have not read this one but I've I remember I I know I listened to a podcast or read like a blog post about it but there was this book that came out last summer called one to watch by Kate Stamen London Ooh. and this was called this was like the bachelorette the plus size bachelorette book. I mean, that's pretty much how it was pitched. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can, as much as I can remember, I mean, and again, like I have not read this one, but there are, there are like two of these potential bachelors that really see, it seems like she could end up with. Oh, see, I love that. I love that. So you should read that and then report back. (laughs) I will read that. That sounds, that's like, yeah. Like you saying that I'm like, Ooh, yeah. That's like my catnip. Yeah. Now that you guys heard our uh, favorite tropes, we've got some examples for you. We're not going to leave you just hanging out there saying, good luck, figure this out on your own. (laughs) But it is challenging to narrow it down to specifics. So I, um, in typical philosopher fashion, was not very specific. So I picked for my second chance, always be my maybe with Ali Wong um, and Randall Park. And I love it. I think it is such a great modern day example of a second chance romance that like makes sense where there's the stakes are there the stakes are medium high Mm -hmm. because again they just they really they had their romance at the beginning when they were teenagers was like so perfect and then they just couldn't get out of their own ways it's very mature so that was one that I love my one night stand that turns into something my favorite example for that is always the entire Meredith and Derek beginning on Grey's Anatomy like that I'll never forget the moment when Derek just like turns out to be her boss after that first <laughs> night of them meeting. I'm like, this is, this is the greatest show on television. There's nothing better than this. Yeah. Damon and Stefan Salvatore and yeah. Elena from the vampire diaries. The book version is a lot sexier 
Mm. even though it is teenage like YA but it's all very sexual tensionies because it's 90s you can't see anything but you can feel a lot of stuff but in the books you just really never know who she really should be with and I think that that is so fun because you're like in one book it should be Damon and the next book it should be Stefan in the end it's like you still don't even know if that was the right choice like it's right. <laughs> it's so it's so well done that like any version of that love triangle I'm always trying to chase that high of that mm-hmm. that trio our interview guest today Reese Ryan has last year she released two second chance romances The first was A Reunion of Rivals, which is a Harlequin desire. Harlequin does this really interesting thing where they take a trope and they just like run with it. Like, you know, you know what you're getting when you open up a Harlequin desire novel and it says it's a reunion of rivals. You know, I mean, there's second chance there. There's you know, rivals to lovers, which is a little bit different than enemies to lovers. You know, they don't quite Mm -hmm. hate each other, but they're in competition for something. So yeah, so that's great. And then she also released a, um, another, like a single title romance called Second Chance on Cypress Lane, which is again, a second chance romance, but it's also a returning home romance where you, you know, you have to return to your small town. Yeah. And it's always, you always return to like your small town. Like you have gone off and you've tried to make it big (laughs) in the city. And then you have to go home for whatever circumstances. And, and, you know, of course your first boyfriend is there too. So. Yeah. And he's like, I've always uh, loved you. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're a star, even if Hollywood doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, last episode, I mentioned Naima Simone's back in the Texans bed, but I also want to mention her second chance romance, the road to Rose bend, which is again, it's the second chance romance, but it is, it's about going home, like mm-hmm. kind of reluctantly having to go home and figure out if you can make a life there and, and, and what that means in, in your own life. Enemies to lovers. I talked a bit about the hating game by Sally Thorne, which, you know, came out a few years ago and I think has, is kind of like the gold standard of enemies yeah. to lovers. A more recent release is The X Talk by Rachel and Solomon, which is about, it's it's set at a Seattle NPR station. They're kind of two reporters slash producers who are both trying to keep their jobs. They have to, they actually have to end up working together and they pretend that they're exes so they can have like a really, a a fun dynamic podcast and, you know, all the shenanigans, you know, so of course they're Mm -hmm. pretending that they dated, even though they don't date. And then also The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa, which came out last year. And then finally for Grumpy Sunshine, when Talia Hibbert was on the podcast um, a couple of months ago at this point, we kind of talked about how almost all of her books are Grumpy Sunshine in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, But I think the best example is her most recent release in the Brown Sister series, Actor Age, Eve Brown. Eve is all over the place and always looks on the bright side. And Jacob, her love interest, is definitely more pragmatic and wants things done in a very specific way. And, and they have to, they, they actually, and they also have to work together. I've been talking about a lot of working together romances today. I love, I love a working really romance. So I know. I workplace I like romance. It. And then I also want to mention written in the stars by Alexandria Belfler. It's a loose pride and prejudice retelling with an astrology element and it's female, female. It was just an absolute delight. It was very swoony. And then finally managed by Kristen Callahan, which is a few years old, but it's about a manager of a rock band who, even though he deals with these rock stars and they're all over the place, he's the one 
that it always has it together. And, you know, the, the person that he gets paired off with kind of makes him unravel in the best possible way. Danielle and I are going to be taking a short break and then you'll hear our interview with Reese Ryan. Reese Ryan writes sexy contemporary romances featuring a diverse cast of complex characters. She presents her characters with family and career drama, challenging love interests and life-changing secrets while treating readers to emotional love stories with unexpected twists. Past president of her local RWA chapter and a panelist for the 2017 Los Angeles Times Festival of Books, Reese is an advocate of the romance genre and diversity in fiction. Reese, we are so honored to have you this this evening. Today, I don't know what time it is. What time doesn't exist anymore? Reese, we are so thrilled to have you join the podcast. Thank you so much today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you all today. And I, I, I also forget what day a week and what time of day it is. So I understand. Yeah. <laughs> time doesn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah, everything is a blur. <laughs> so before we got, we started recording, Reese, I, I was saying, you know, we, you and I have checked in with each other over the course of the pandemic because you've had, well, you've had so many books come out. <laughs> <laughs> time. Humble brag. Started, it was like we did kind of one of the earlier for virtual events through Love Sweet Arrow. Yes. You had a book out and then kind of at the midway point or a little bit later, but we did another one. So I just want to check in again. How have things been going? <laughs> How has writing been during this time? And mm. just yeah, give us a little a little life update. Yeah. Well, definitely. Um Earlier on in the pandemic, writing was tough and life was stressful. I'm a very empathetic person. So mm-hmm. uh, I just had somebody say to me the other day how upset they were because they had lost friends, you know, mm-hmm. to COVID. And, but I'm a kind of person who, when those numbers first started coming out, like that's how I felt, yeah. Yeah. you know, in the very yeah. beginning, watching them, those numbers rise. So I was stressed. I couldn't write. I did mm-hmm. a lot of reading in the beginning or wherever. And so then things just kind of compiled and like all the deadlines were like right there. bumping up against each other because as you know, I have a lot of books coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> then that made more stress and stuff. So I'm definitely in a, the best place I've been since the pandemic started for sure right now. So I'm excited about that. Did you feel like you had to change your writing process throughout, like as kind of things ebbed and flowed with, especially with the news cycle? I mean, it was just relentless. It still is. Um, Yeah. Did you have to like kind of adapt in that way throughout? I did because I feel like, so somebody had um, posted this on Twitter and this was like life changing for me. So someone posted on Twitter that basically um, that as an ADHD adult, you know, they had kind of like lived on the edge with the deadlines and the deadlines, mm-hmm. you know, kind of served as high that kept yeah. them, you know, going or whatever. But during the stress of the pandemic, like we're at a constant level of stress all the time. And yeah. so that same thing isn't working anymore. And that was like mind blowing for me because I'm like, first of all, I probably am a undiagnosed, you know, ADD adult, yeah. but I've always kind of worked on the edge with those deadlines, you know, like I'll have all these books due and maybe I'll write for a while and then bam, I'm like, okay, I'm turning out this book in two weeks or in a month. Mm -hmm. And I just found I couldn't do that anymore. I was relying on the past to say, okay, yeah, I can, I can get all this done in this period of a week or two weeks and just 
I was in a total different mind, mindset. Not only my mind wasn't working like that, like my fingers wouldn't even type as fast mm. as they used to, t- to type. It was just a whole different experience. I was like, okay, wow, I do have to change how I do everything. So I yeah. have been really, really trying to shift how I'm working, trying to shift the whole process, being more thoughtful about how I'm planning it all out mm-hmm. and all of that. So I had been a fan of Sarah Cannon, author Sarah Cannon's HB90 planner system from the beginning, but I just wasn't using it. <laughs> These things don't work if you don't use them, I find. I know, it's so rude that way. <laughs> Can't just like touch it and it gets into you. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So I've really, this, this first quarter of this year, I really, really have been using it and mm-hmm. it, it definitely has made a big difference for me. So I hope to turn that up the next notch. Well, and Waking Up Married is a, uh, your latest book is a fun, is a fun friends to lovers romance set against the uh, very cool backdrop of a successful bourbon distillery, making me very thirsty right now, uh, <laughs> that is owned by the powerful Abbott family. Um, what did you love about writing Zora and Dallas's story? This was such a fun book to write, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just because it, there was a lot of challenges for the, on, on this book too, but um Mentally, I just like, well, there were so many challenges I had, but, you know, it was just such a fun story (laughs) and I'm a huge fan. Like I love um, what happens in Vegas with Cameron Diaz and Ashton Pitter. And so originally Dallas, I always knew Dallas and uh, Zora were going to end up together Mm -hmm. when I initially plotted the whole series Mm out, but how they came together was different and just when I got ready to write the formal proposal to my editor for this book, like a totally different story story came out. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I wasn't like sitting thinking, hey, I'm gonna make a Vegas, you know, wedding story. But that's just what happened when I started writing the yeah. stream of consciousness proposal <laughs> that my editor sweetly doesn't complain about me doing. <laughs> so, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's just what happened. And so in writing the story, it just, it was so much fun. I laughed a lot when I wrote it. And in the revising of it, and it's, you know, it's one of those things as an author, like you think to yourself, okay, this seems really funny to me, but I'm a corny kind of person. So (laughs) other people people might not find it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been great for me to hear back from readers that they really enjoyed the story and that they laughed a lot. That's the thing I think I love the most. And then just their relationship, how close they are and just, you know, how well they know each other and just the and deal with all of that, knowing each other so well, how they are discovering these new things about themselves and each other. Love that part. And then the family dynamics, I always love writing that. Yes. Oh. I love the big sprawling family at the, mm-hmm. the Abbott family at the center of the series. They're so fun. And, and it's like, they, they love each other. It's so obvious they love and care about each other, but they also know like just the right thing to say. Of course, they're their really family. Set them all <laughs> off. <laughs> really great. Like the, the scenes where they're all together and it's just like, like they're all just going at it. I love it. I love that aspect <laughs> so much. So we started talking off. I, you know, I, I kind of was joking all kind of about how many books you have coming out, but I saw you have another book coming out. We're recording this on April 1st, but this month you have a book coming out that to me kind of seems like a surprise. <laughs> Can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about something about you? Because be, by the time <laughs> Up, it will be out in the world. <laughs> a few years ago, I became a grandmother for the first time. And I had this idea about two grandparents falling in love while they try to keep their kids from getting married. And, mm-hmm. so, and so that's what this book is. I love so it, it is uh, two grandparents, 
are conspiring to keep their college age kids from getting married to having a shotgun wedding and making the same mistake they both did and ended up in this like miserable marriages or whatever and as they're doing this they fall in love so the heroine and hero are 45 and 49 so it's the oldest characters that i have written so far as the main characters so that's been fun too because i'm all about the family dynamics either dynamics between the mother and her daughter and then just and then he's just this really great single father because he's been raising his his sons alone for many years what do you think is so appealing about small town romances and what are some things that you think make a great small town romance this was an interesting experience for me because even though most of my books that i've written up till now have been set in small town they weren't technically what people call and see i'm doing the fingers again i'm doing the the quotation mark fingers Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) like people can see it but you know it's not technically small town romance so um in this so so what i what i love about it first of all is that you know there's it's small enough in the town where people know each other and you know people care about each other and they're in each other's business and stuff and so that gives you all Mm -hmm. that kind of fun background Mm -hmm. and i think that's what readers love about it as well um and in writing that single title which is you know considered definitely a considered small town a romance Mm -hmm. i definitely been working with my editor she really helped me hone in on making the town like a character Mm -hmm. in the story and so that was one of the things that i love seeing people in the reviews say that you know they would love to visit holly grove island or you know they they talk about helene's ice cream helene's homemade ice cream or the you know miss lila's cafe and stuff like that so i love those familiar things in a small town series and just the the community that you yeah. have in a small town series i think that's something we, we want to have for ourselves i was raised in ohio but my mother's from the south and every summer we would go down south to our family reunion and so and she was born in memphis raised in a small town called cold water mississippi and so <laughs> i didn't necessarily pattern um it after her cold water because at the time I was going down there there was literally nothing right. <laughs> down there like when you wanted to buy like candy and chips and stuff there was like an older lady around the corner whose house you would go to oh and his chips were stale so <laughs> she's running a scam yeah. <laughs> so a racket out I there I didn't necessarily pattern it off to that after that town but that's what kind of made me want to write about a small town that's happened yeah. visited every summer yeah. that mm-hmm. small town so Reese something that we take very seriously um at Fresh Fiction and Danielle and I talk about a lot are the things that we do to um, bring ourselves comfort and joy and the things that make us happy what is something that has been bringing you a little bit of happiness in the last few weeks I think the thing that makes probably brings me the most joy and stuff is just the grandkids I had to be away from them for a while because one of them actually they started back to real school yeah the school in person and within two weeks the oldest had been exposed to COVID and actually ended up getting it so I had to be away from them for a while (laughs) so I really got a chance to see them for probably really the first time spent some time with him for the first time yesterday they are so funny the two of them are so funny the, the youngest is nonverbal. he's he says like he says like two things eat it being the primary <laughs> thing <Yeah. laughs> but this dude can communicate more than anybody i know without saying words <laughs> so, on the face they're just the two of them are just so funny they just have such big personalities and they're so different mm-hmm. but they totally keep us laughing <laughs> I don't know. This may take up a lot of time, but what can readers expect from you next, Reese? (laughs) (laughs) 
this act, this year actually is going to be a little bit slower than the past years have been. So <laughs> I had Waking Up Mary, which came out March 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, Something About You comes out April the 27th. Then in, ooh, I'm so excited about in the fall, uh, Joss Wood, Karen Booth, and I are doing a trilogy together called the Leridge Trilogy. And yeah. it's about three foster brothers who, you know, have become estranged over the years um, because of uh, something that happened when they were younger. And their father becomes ill and they have to come home and help uh, with their dad's uh, health, but also to try to help revive this this luxury resort that mm-hmm. was that's, that's taken a turn <laughs> and taking kind of that. Uh, and of course, doing so, each of them fall in love. And so this was such a fun thing to, to write. Um, it came about because when I went to the RWA conference, my only one in New York, a couple of years ago, uh, Joshua was my roommate and she had an idea for this trilogy of about Foster Brothers yeah. and had invited me and Karen to do it. And so we came up with the idea and stuff. So it was cool because at the time, I think at that point, none of us were working on Texas Cattlemen Club books, but all of us mm-hmm. had done them several before. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, well, what if we created our own, uh, mm-hmm. you know, situation? And so that's what we basically did. And so that comes out this summer. Um, I'm sorry, this fall, rather. Yeah. So I think my book is in October, Karen's is in September, and Joss is in August. Reese, we're, com- we're coming to the end of our interview. This has been so much fun. Where can readers connect with you online? Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? They can connect with me online at my website, which is reeseryan.com. That's R-E-E-S, as in Sam, mm-hmm. E-R-Y-A-N.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that. And you can also find the link to the youtube show which is story behind the story there are lots of fun past interviews to watch there and normally i don't just have somebody on and say okay we're gonna we're talk about your book we talk about a little bit of everything or it mm-hmm. usually revolves around a, a, a important topic that's been really fun to deal with the conversations that way yeah um and so it's not just about you know or a new release or anything like that reese thank you so much this was so wonderful danielle and i had such a great i'll speak for danielle but we both had such a great time <laughs> No, yeah sorry thank you so much for having me i appreciate it and thank you for everything you all do you all are amazing and we appreciate oh, you in the you. author community so thank you for what you do It is now time to talk about our goals from last episode. My goal from last episode was to stop drinking coffee. And I really have stuck to this. Oh, good. (laughs) I, I had caught, okay. I did. I have had coffee. It's been more of like a treat. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been, I have to have like three cups of coffee every morning. One day I, when I dropped off my daughter at cheerleading class, (laughs) just hilarious. She's a little um, tumbler. Yeah, she she really liked. She had a great time. Um, but when I dropped her off, I was like, "Well, I, I have an hour. What should I do?" I was like, "I'm gonna go to Starbucks." And I was like, "And so I got like an iced coffee, mm-hmm. which for some reason in my mind, I don't know if this is true. I don't think it is actually. I feel like iced coffee isn't as potent as regular coffee, even though I actually think it is more potent because it eventually." melts in the ice. <laughs> I think it depends on the kind of iced coffee you get. Okay. So like if you just get like coffee that they then took and put on ice, that's mm-hmm. just like drip coffee. That's like the least strong version. But if you had like nitro 
or yeah. cold brew coffee, those are stronger. Okay. No, I just had like a regular iced coffee. Okay. So see, I had that mm-hmm. and I, and it was like, fine. And I didn't have any like tummy issues like I was having before because you good. know, I'm grown up talking about tummies, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I achieved this goal and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep at it. I've been enjoying drinking tea. I feel like I drink more tea than I did coffee. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm in turn getting more water, which is great. Yep. Absolutely. It's more fun way to drink water. Yeah. Get it with tea. My new goal is we've teased this a bit, but this week in pod in, in real time, by the time this airs, I will be back, but I am traveling. I'm going to California. I'm going to see my family out there. I'm going to meet my newest nephew for the first time. My goal is to travel safely and enjoy some time away from home and also, you know, just not worry myself into like an anxiety spiral before I yeah. leave. I think it's going to be easy to achieve that knowing I'm going to California. My la- my goal last time was to finish unpacking. Um, I feel like I should pack that goal away because it did not happen. I um, did not do any unpacking since the last time we talked <laughs> at all. No, I'm like sitting here going, can I even say that I did anything? And I'm like, no. Uh-oh. No, no, I didn't do any of it. So we're going to put that goal aside okay. and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that All is right. okay. I have time. My, uh, I, I now have a, I do have an actual deadline or a goal specific for people coming to visit me. Our first Ooh, guest yeah. as of right now is coming in August. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, until then to get yeah. my office in some sort of working order. But my new goal is also pertains to work. Um, I have got to stop crossing my legs under my desk. I'm saying that as I'm sitting at my desk with my legs crossed under me currently. I've just noticed that my, my knees hurt and my legs hurt a lot. And it's taken like everything, just uh, time for it to connect in my brain that maybe it's things that I'm doing and not just yeah. like things that are happening to my body. <laughs> I'm going to stop crossing my legs. I think it's going to be helpful. We'll see how well it goes. I've been also trying to not cross my ankles when I'm laying in bed. I'm just very twitchy. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with my legs now. So if anybody has recommendations on what to do with your feet, when you're sitting at your desk, let yeah. me know. Maybe you need, can you get like, um, one of those little sling things you can put under your desk? Oh yeah. Like that or a little footstool. Yeah. I have like a little, I have a little stool under my desk that I put, but, but I do, I do cross my ankles at least. I'm like, I had to check, (laughs) (laughs) but I've noticed that because I, I like to sit with like kind of one leg kind of under me a lot of Mm -hmm. times. And, but I've noticed, I think, I mean, Gwen, I think we are of a certain age now. (laughs) Yeah. We can't do this anymore. I think these things are just going to start getting more and more prevalent in our lives. (laughs) It's like, we can't drink coffee. We can't sit with our legs the way we want to. Exactly. This is my body, my rules. No, apparently (laughs) not. It's my body, it's rules. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, but I've heard really good things about, and even travel, like for traveling, like people who take long, I think is more yeah. like across the, you know, the Atlantic or wherever you're going, but very long flights, they get those little slings that, and they have like very convenient little hooks that you can mm-hmm. just hook on whatever on a desk or, you know, you're the back of an airplane seat. And that way it helps with like circulate. Cause really I think it's a circulation situation. Yeah, exactly. And I completely forgot about those little hammocks. Cause I remember looking at those back in the before times I was yeah. looking at getting one for traveling. Cause I was going, you know, I was flying yeah. like at least quarterly and uh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. A little yeah. footstool hammock thing for my feet. 
Well, flip my problems. Yeah. Oh, Danielle, so smart. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of comfortable, which we can't sit comfortably in our chairs anymore. Let us talk about what is bringing us comfort this week. What's bringing you some comfort this week, Danielle? So this week, I want to give a shout out to an Etsy shop called Fugly Barbie. <laughs> I love it, Sam, already. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, and they, she just makes this amazing romance themed merchandise, but then she also has like really cool spooky stuff Mm -hmm. and a lot of like eighties pop culture. I have a really fun sweatshirt that has dancing skeletons and party hats that says cute spooky vibes, (laughs) (laughs) which I adore. And I wear it all the time. Like even like when it gets cold, like at night, if we go like, especially we watch movies in our basement. And of course the basement is like the coldest spot in our house. So even in the middle of summer, I wear like this sweatshirt. And then I have a sticker that's on my laptop that says romance novels are my therapy. And then there's this really awesome shirt. Well, I I want the shirt, but I mean, almost everything can be a shirt or a sweatshirt or a sticker or a print or anything like that. But it's, there's one that says support your local coven, which I just think is very funny. I will link to all of these things in the show notes and maybe pick out a few more extra ones. Yeah, curate some Uh, of your favorites for us. Yeah. Like, oh, so this, this, she has a mug actually that, kind of has gone viral every so often you see it like pop up on like Mm -hmm. bookish merchandise lists um but it's like and it says like I like my romance novels like I like my coffee hot and steamy Mm -hmm. and there's like a classic like clinch kind of over the top clinch pose that 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 couple and like an embrace passionate embrace um on it it's really cute so I and and the prices are not outrageous like that's awesome it's pretty affordable I mean it's easy to kind of go crazy so this week I am comforted by two really great um entertainment pieces one being uh the release of in the heights on HBO Max and or IMAX if you have a chance I know this is going to air later but in our time we got to watch it and it was just I have <laughs> It brought me comfort because one, I am half Puerto Rican. And so getting to see people that look like my people and my mm-hmm. my family represented on screen is always exciting. It is colorful and beautiful. It kind of also feels like a Target commercial. So it's very <laughs> like over the top and ridiculous, but it's a the- but it's musical. And then the other thing I just finished watching also on HBO Max is uh, the first season of the show Hacks. Oh yeah. Um, which is about, it stars Jean Smart um, mm-hmm. as a Joan Rivers-esque Vegas comedian who is trying to like revive her, her career, or revigorate her career is fine, but it's yeah. revig- reinvigorated. And um, she hires this young comedy writer to sort of like fluff up her material and the two of them, it's a perfect example of enemies to lovers. Yeah. <laughs> But it's more of like a mom, like a matronly daughterly sort of mm-hmm. or mentor sort of position. Speaking of tropes, I actually found it to be a very good example of enemies to lovers of watching their character story arc this season of going from like being two people who can't get out of their own way, can't see beyond their own noses and their own egos to work yeah. together and make some really cool art. And then of course, make some mistakes along the way. I have heard, well, for, we watched In the Heights yesterday and- it was so good. Loved it. Adored it. And I agree. I, I, we watched it at home as well, but I am like, 
maybe we need to go to the movies and see this because yeah. it was just, it was phenomenal. And then I've also, I've only heard amazing things about hacks. So I'm definitely adding that to my list. It's so good. I think, yeah, I think you and your husband would really enjoy it. That's awesome. Great. Well, I think this is it. This is the end. <laughs> We've come to the end. It's so fast every time. I know. So uh, as always, you can follow us many different places, but you can find us at Fresh Fiction. I am at DJ underscore dresser. One is at Real Vixen, R-E-E-L Vixen. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Yes. (laughs) 